This is Top Shop Podcast. Top Shop Podcast. Top Shop Podcast. Podcast for automotive service business owners by Paul Donahue. So welcome to Top Shop Podcast, Tom. I uh, uh, got a special guest today, Tom Ham. The reason I say special is there's a lot of people are in the automotive industry, but they don't have any shop experience. Well, Tom's a little different. Uh, Tom owned Auto Center in Grand Rapids, Michigan for 46 years. Uh, he also started Automotive Management Network back in 2003, 21 years ago. So, Tom, what is AMN? It's the world's largest resource for information regarding managing auto repair shops and actually any kind of vehicle service facility from trucks to fleets to marine to anything to do with vehicle service. It's, it's dedicated towards the management of those facilities, all the things that come up when you're trying to run those shops. Okay. So we've been in several of our podcasts, my guests have really reiterated um, the importance of continuous training to their techs. Now, you started at AMN in 2003, correct? You said? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And what was the reason for that? Why did you say, hey, I'm going to start? Where did this idea foster? How did it come up? And how did you, and I'm sure those early years weren't, weren't easy. It never is. Sure. It was started initially to discuss issues related to management software. So there's just kind of a, nowadays there's Facebook groups and, and back then that really didn't exist. So maybe you had 10 shop owners in an area and they all used ABC software. It'd be nice to share ideas with those guys. And here's how we set up canned jobs and all that kind of stuff. And then it just expanded from there. So that was the initial thing. And then we just started growing based on suggestions from members, and that's where we are today. Speaking of growing, how many members are there now? There's a little over 14,000. Uh, now we've got a couple hundred so far this just this year, just in the last six weeks. So uh, it, it keeps growing at a pretty good pace. That's phenomenal. That's great growth. And it's yeah. all, a lot of that growth is coming from, you know, um, doing what we do. Uh, you earn business the hard way. You earn it. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people just share what they, uh, you know, they find something good and they just share it with your other shop owner friends. And then we yep. get a few new members and that's just one member at a time. So we get them. Yeah. Speaking of membership, you know, there's a lot of memberships that every time we get an auto repair shop as a client, we tell them, look, you really need to join AMRA, Automotive Maintenance Repair Association. Oh, yeah. Yep. MAP, the Motorist Assurance Program. So what MAP provides for like, so I think it's 360 years. Uh, the price of a good lunch per month is just incredible. And then we get those trust badges on our clients' websites. So subconsciously, that lets that particular potential customer know, hey, this shop is affiliated with this, even though they may not, the consumer doesn't even know what the heck these badges are. But it's sure. a conscious message that this shop's website I was just on has their reviews front and center. They have these trust badges. I think I'm going to choose them. Nobody thinks that. It all happens subconsciously in less than a second. So, credibility with each one. Right. Sure. So that's why I want to recommend Automotive Management Network to our clients also, because I already know what the costs are. But, you know, for our listeners, you know, um, what's the cost to become a member? Well, the basic membership is free. Yeah, just a basic membership. It's a huge website. There's a massive amount of information on the website and features, so on and so forth. So a lot of the features, a lot of the information is free. You just sign up. And, and what, one of the things we always want to emphasize to people when they, when they sign up, one thing we do not do is we do not sell or share member information. So uh, your, your email and all that stuff is not going to get sent 
to all kinds of places who are going to start flooding you with all kinds of spam. Uh, every, everything you submit to us is just kept private with us. Nobody else has that other than us. So, but basic membership is free. And then there's some of the top features, some of the best stuff, the coolest stuff on the website uh, that we call our premium membership. And that's kind of how we support the site. And that starts as low as $59. So it, it's still not a lot of money. It's very inexpensive to access the entire site. And that's $59 for the year? That's uh, $59 is for three months. Three months. Uh, ago. For a year, we go up to $199. And for two years, we go up to $349. Okay. So as far as trust badges go, that's one of the lowest investments, actually free if they uh, want to, yeah. um, to get the trust badge on their website. So, um, but more than that, I want them to get the benefit from uh, Automotive Management Network. So, you know, what are the most popular things on your site? You've got 14,000 members. I'm sure you're tracking yeah. where people go using Google Analytics. Sure. What's the most popular things on the site? What, what uh, are, yeah, well, it varies up and down. The uh, One of the most popular things is the labor rate tracker where uh, members submit their labor rates. So we have labor rates from almost a thousand shops in the uh, United States and Canada. So you can go and see in your state, in your town, what the labor rates are at the other shops. And then when you submit that again, and we don't share that information, it doesn't mean your shop turns up. When, when you submit a labor rate, all it does is if, if you're in Chicago, it just says there's a labor rate of X in Chicago. So that's all it does. You can't locate the facility or tell whose rate that is. It just puts you in a town is the only is the closest we get as far as that goes. So that that's very popular. We launched that about a year and a half ago, and it, it's growing at a really good pace. And the market grows better. It, it's just you know it's it's one way to kind of be abreast of what's going on in the industry. What are the labor rates? And, and just anybody who owns a shop has always asked that question since the first day they opened their door. So we thought we'd solve that problem. So labor rate track is very popular. There's a, a document section that's very popular. And that's a lot of SOPs, standard operating procedures and checklists and other management type documents. The, the, the stuff you create, make an owner's manual out of or an employee manual. Uh, this is how you can build it just by taking these documents and uh, editing them a little bit so they fit your shop. And there you go. And instead of starting from scratch, what we're writing a policy on cell phones or whatever it is, instead of starting from scratch, we've got one written for you and you can just change it to match your shop. There's a tips area where there's over, over 350 management tips and those cover all different kinds of subjects. They're very short, very brief, very to the point uh, and give you some really good ideas, stuff you maybe haven't thought, thought of before to remind you. There's a KPI section, key profit indicators. You know, any business is about numbers. It yep. really comes down to the numbers. The num if the numbers don't work, you know, I mean, you've got to have good employees. You've got to have, you have a lot of things. But if the numbers don't work, you're going to go broke. So you have to have some good numbers. You have to hit certain targets. So And, and there's, there's, there's dozens, if not hundreds of numbers that people will look at when they're analyzing auto repair shop. But we just have like the top 20 or so. And we, with each one, like gross profit, we got a real basic, straightforward, easy to understand explanation of what that is. What exactly does parts gross profit mean? Just in, in, in the most basic of terms. So you can use stuff like this for training because it explains it well. And then each of the key numbers will also have a calculator with it where you can just take the raw numbers out of your shop from your shop management system and just enter it, fill in the blanks, and it'll pop up with what your gross profit is, where you don't have to do the calculations yourself. It'll all do it for you. Right. Awesome. Um, 
We got a tool that we just put out last month, January, to help shop owners work their numbers from the front to the back. So we start off with what's your gross revenues? Oh, they're two million. What do you want them to be? Two and a half million. Great. What's it going to take to get that done? How what's your average ticket? 650 a month. Great. You'll need 277 more leads at a 60% conversion rate to get that half of a million. So where are leads coming from and how much are they costing per lead? This is the dollar amount you can expect to invest each month to, to reach that goal. So all of the shops that we see that are really growing, they know their numbers. And so automotive management network is going to help them with that. Now, I was speaking with somebody just earlier. Oh, and by the way, anybody just go to autorepairseo.com and there's a link on there somewhere. You can just uh, click on and I'll send you that document for free. I had our... Um, accountants make it up. Uh, it's got your monthly budgets and everything in it. You just plug in the number and then it'll automatically give you the numbers that you need. I was just talking to them about this, somebody just recently where shops a lot of times don't know what to charge. Different shops charge different rates. So what is the labor rate tracker? And I wouldn't really suggest that, you know, that certainly you don't want to just go on there and say, here's what everybody else is doing. Here's my labor rate. That might not be the best way to do it. It, it does give you a kind of a concept of where it is. What we suggest for calculating labor rates, is, yeah, this goes back, we were just talking about a minute ago, if we talk about the labor gross profit. So how much do you pay for an hour of time for a technician? And you can figure out what that is. What does it cost to have Fred back there for one hour? And you can figure out what that cost, once you know what that cost is, and say you want to have a 70% margin, might be a little higher, might be a little lower, then you can take that number and that you can figure out your labor rates. It's, you know, it's a little bit there's more to it than that. that. That's pretty straightforward what it is. I mean, if, if it costs you 30 bucks to have Fred back there for one hour, and we want a 70% gross profit on labor, then we got to charge $100 an hour. You know, that just to make the math real easy, numbers are a little bit higher today than that. Some of the basic fundamental stuff like that, there's a lot of smaller shops that have joined our site over the years and gotten tons of information and, and really, you know, attribute our site to really helping a lot with their shop and keeping it in business and keeping it profitable. Okay, awesome. You mentioned the documents area, you know, uh, what are some of the things in that documents area? Uh, you mentioned like the SOPs. Now that that's gold. I mean, if you're especially for the smaller shop starting out or for a shop that's already been in business, but doesn't have their standard operating procedures written down. With my company, it was a major accomplishment for us to get our, we call them playbooks, but that's what they are. They're our standard operating procedure. That way, when we hire somebody, we say, here's the tasks that we've hired you for. Here's the playbooks on how we produce those tasks. Those playbooks are written out with um, graphic images. And then here's a video of us actually doing that task. And now you're gonna watch somebody do these tasks, okay? And then they're gonna watch you do these tasks. And when the, that person on my staff says, yep, this person's got it, then you're off and running. So this is our training process at Advanced Digital Automotive Group. So having the standard operating procedures, even if they're not what the shop owner wanted, it gives them a starting point. Say, oh, I like this standard operating procedure, but I wanna do this, this, or this, or this. That's like when my staff writes content for my own websites, I throw half of it out, but it gives me a starting point. I say, oh, okay, I like what they did here, but I want to change this and that. So these standard operating procedures, I study this one person with leadership, and he's always got me focused on just these three things, vision, systems, and people. And the standard operating systems are the systems, you know? So 
<clears throat> the shop owner provides the vision and the uh, systems and he makes sure he gets the right people in those uh, spots. So tell us a little bit more about that document, Siri, because that, I mean, $200 a year, that's $18 a month or something. That's crazy. So the amount of information that they can get in the standard operating procedures and other documents, yeah. go ahead and tell me about it. If you find a, a couple of documents in there that you can use, it, it, it at 200 bucks a year, you already paid for the year. You know, it, it, as simple as that. There's s simple stuff like brake system checklists and oil change checklists in there, some of the common stuff like that. SOPs, you know, what do we do if such and such a thing happens? What, you know, what do we do when we get a road service call, even though we don't have a record? How do we handle that? Just all these different situations that come up, we want to make sure we handle them the same way every time. And what, what we'll generally do, the way we'll build these things is we'll wait, when, once a fire occurs, we don't want it to occur a second time. So we'll sit down and write a procedure for that. And, and like you say, uh, people can take the procedure that we've written and just make a few changes. I mean, it, it's gonna apply mostly to most shops, sure. but there's, there's each shop is distinct. So you, you don't like that line, but you'd like to add this line. And next thing you know, you got a document. And then as you do that, we, you know, I'll often suggest people, you know, add one a week, one one SOP a week. And if you do that over a period, say, well, it's going to take a long time. Yeah, but every week it's going to be a little bit better. And now we have one more page. We, we Most of these are fairly short and straightforward. Most of these documents are one page or less because we we don't want to make overcomplicated for the employees. And in just simple ones, we add one to our employee handbook. And now we've got one more page in our handbook. And if you keep this all on the computer, obviously, and everybody has access to it, some kind of Google Doc or something like that, then it, it, it becomes even simpler. You don't need a, a physical book with an index. You just go in your in the Google document uh, sharing, and they'll just put the search word and all the SOPs that have to do with tires will pop up. And there you go. Perfect. I wish I would have had that last year when we were writing artists. So simple scales, fancy fails. This is a belong to a mastermind group of 200 digital marketing agencies uh, that are in all kinds of niches across the United States. We meet three times a, a year in Miami. And one of the top most successful agency owners always says that simple scales, fancy fails. So the simpler that you can keep a, a standard operating procedure, the, the better it's, it's going to be for the company. So um, anyway... Yeah. Tell me about the KPIs area because key performance indicators was another thing that we were working on uh, and creating scorecards for our team members. It's very important that I see what's the percentage on their scorecard for this week and this month, and then for that individual, and then for that team, and then for the company as a whole. I look at those numbers on a monthly basis. So a lot of shop owners or people in business struggle with something I struggle with, which is slow down to speed up. So if we stop, and we focus on, okay, what is our financial goals and how can we reach them? So if we stop and slow down, we can speed up. So I'm going to say, preach from the pulpit here that KPIs are not a good idea. They are a necessity. So tell me about the KPIs area, Tom, please. There's so many terms out there, and it depends the the, the uh, how long uh, shop owners been around, what they've learned in the past. But I mean, you when you go to a gathering of shop owners, you got everybody there from the most experienced to the brand new person. You make a lot of assumptions, like you you start throwing around average RO, and you assume that everybody in the room knows what you mean. Well, not necessarily. There's right. going to be shop owners in that room who say, "Well, I've heard that before. What exactly is it?" And, and you think, well, isn't it self-explanatory? Well, maybe some people are better with math than others, but 
so you've got a term there. So what we do is we take it, we just explain in very basic terms. And this is just, just the simplest of terms, exactly what, an, what average RO means. And again, they can put the numbers in and they can find out what their average RO is. We do the same with a number of the more common numbers that are, are common when you discuss KPIs for auto repair shops. Okay. So tell me about the tips. Tips, uh, that, that's something we've accumulated over the years. We try to take a, 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 a management idea, a, a tip on how to do something that maybe people don't usually do, and uh, and put that in something very short, very brief. These are not really involved deals. Uh, it, it, these are, uh, I don't know, 50 words, 100 words. They're very, very short. And uh, now that we're up to over 350, 360, 370, something like that, you can actually, if you want to, you could make a little calendar out of it, just do one a day for a year because they're, they're, they're there. And so, you know, some are more contemporary and better than others. But uh, the thing is, you're going to read stuff. Uh, some guys will just sit down for uh, a couple hours and just read 100 of them. And they're, they're there in such a way that you can get through them quickly. They're not real complex to digest. Again, we try to keep everything fairly on, on the basic level. And here's an idea. And, and, Almost guaranteed, if somebody's going to uh, read through a dozen or, or two dozen of those, they're going to come up with one or two ideas saying, you know, I could do that. I could change the way I do this because that's an idea I've never heard before or I've never heard it explained that simply before. So that that's what we try to do is just give, you know, good ideas, straightforward. If you, if you make things too complex, people don't do them. So I, I like to keep it fairly simple and, and just you know give people good ideas that way. Yeah, well, that's one of the beauties of your network of 14,000 strong is it's all coming from other shop owners. Yeah. All these tips and everything's coming from other shop owners. So um, uh, just a, an idea here. I don't know if this would be uh, relevant. Mistake sheets. Uh, we implemented mistake sheets because one of the other agencies in the mastermind group we belong to implemented them. And we, when we hire on a new person, they have to sign that they have read all of the mistakes in their particular department that have been listed there, and they're not going to make them. Mistakes have dropped by 90%. Wow. Because a lot of times the same mistake happens over and over again. So if you hire a tire tech and that tire tech reads over a mistake sheet of all the mistakes that other techs have made in the past, and this isn't to point out that they're a bad person, they made a mistake. It's to list to say, hey, I've read these mistakes that, that other people have made, and I've read them. And I'm acknowledging that I read them. Uh, you will be amazed how other companies are, are implementing this mistake sheets and it's working really, really well. So yeah. the person comes on, they read that mistake sheet, they sign that they've read it. And then that way, and then if the new mistake pops up, Hey, is that on our mistake sheet? Nope. Let's put it on there. Make sure, you know, so, yeah. So, uh, so tell me about the polls. Uh, what we do is we take various topics. Uh, that that people want to know about. I mean, do do you do you offer uh, health insurance for your employees? Uh, are you open on Saturday? And, and just uh, common questions where if you're a shop owner, you're often sitting around, you're thinking of a particular topic or issue, and you're going, I wonder what other shops do. That doesn't necessarily mean that what you're going to do, but if you hear what other shops are doing, you're going to tend to get. An idea on what you might do too. There's there's an idea that's that haven't heard that before, uh, and you also get a, a, a 
you know, you find out that most shops, 75% of shops do this and only 25% don't do it. You, you, so you begin to understand how common are loaner cars. Do 90% of shops have them? Do 10% of shops have them? We don't know that. So how important are they for me to get? Well, if I, if I know how many other shops have them, it's probably going to help me make my decision on whether or not to have them. So there's about 130, something like that, polls that we've taken in there, and we keep them alive and available. And so you can always go in and see the results. Even though we did the poll several years ago, you can go in and see what the results are. Most of these are pretty contemporary. In other words, they're not something that's going to change over the period of five years or 10 years. The answers are still going to be fairly consistent. So, But there's a lot of good information in there, just questions. You go, oh, I wanted to know that. Look, they asked that, and here's what the, here's what the shop owner said. So that's a fun area to go into. And uh, I've had some people go in and just read virtually every one of those polls and all the results and just learn stuff they didn't know. Because they thought, well, I thought hardly anybody did that. And apparently, a lot of people do that. Right. So... So training is proven again and again and again to be one of the most proven methods for retaining good talent. Because when a shop invests in their tech's careers, those, a lot of those techs tend to have loyalty towards the shop. Now, there's a lot of shop, and Jim Bennett is um, at ATI is pretty famous for this, but he says, you know, aren't you afraid you're going to train these people and they and they leave? And and Jim's a shop owner for a long time also. And he says, no, I'm afraid of them coming in and, and not learning anything and staying. So uh, wise advice. The same thing with me. Uh, we, we hire people, we train them. Um, am I afraid that they'll leave? Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work we put into them, but sometimes they do. But I'm, I, I would rather have them, I would rather help their careers and have them train them and leave then have them learn nothing and stay. And we, uh, we it's required uh, one hour per week for all of our staff, and it's and it's logged on what they're doing to learn to increase whatever uh, field that they're in. So, what is in your training and events um, area? There, there's all sorts of avenues of training. We want to make a calendar that's got two things specific with it. Number one, everything that's in there is online. So if it's in there, you can watch it at home, at the shop, whatever. It's all online, number one. And number two, it's all live. So these are not, they're, they're not recordings from the past. They're live events. So where you can in, often interact, maybe question and answer, that kind of thing, comment, uh, which is very different from watching a recording. It, it just tends to be, you know, I mean, you set down a specific time, like a football game or whatever, I mean, sure, you could record it and watch it later, but that's kind of, yeah, you know, it's much more fun to watch it live. And, and that's what this is. These are all live events and uh, it'll vary. Certain times of the year, we're down to very few of them. And then other times of the year, all these companies add them in. And we've had, uh, sometimes there'll be as many as a hundred of them listed over the next several months. Uh, and they're they're both, the, uh, now we're primarily a management website, but we do include technical training in there too. So there's gonna be both management training and technical training uh, where if you want to train your staff, you could just bookmark our training and events calendar, live online events, uh, set aside lunch hour to, to watch them, et cetera, because a lot of them are during the day. And you could, you could do massive amount of training your staff if you just followed that calendar and did nothing else. Not that you shouldn't do anything else, but I'm saying it's, there's tons of available where you get many hours per year per employee. So they can get training for their staff at $18 a month? 
They're just a list of all different. In, in other words, if when anybody puts on a live class, such as oh. yourself, you, you have a live class, okay. sure. then your live class, uh, if you're communicating with us, will add that to the calendar. So people can just watch and, and see it. And uh, it depends. Uh, some of these are free. I know uh, just World Pack pops in my mind. I think they do free ones uh, at lunchtime every other day or something like that. So okay. we have their their list of uh, events in there, and uh, and some of them are paid uh, pay deals where there's uh, uh, multi day courses all live online. Still, you can still do them at your shop, and and, and you pay whatever it is. But okay. there's a whole variety of courses in there, everything from little short uh, forty five minute deals to multi day deals. Okay, so even uh, we can do one of these uh, for an hour on digital on websites and uh, how to get them to convert, et cetera. Sure, sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. we want to do that. We're, it's, it's strictly live events, though. Um, right, yeah. There's uh, uh, and there's nothing wrong with recorded ones, but the thing is, there there's probably thousands and thousands of recorded ones out there, and people can go out and research and find them. Right. But, and these uh, are I I I personally like live events, which is one of the reasons this exists, and some other people do. I, I like to actually, you know, actually participate, especially if I have a question. I don't want to just email it to somebody. I, I'd like to raise my hand right now and, and say, hey, can I ask about what you just said? Okay, uh, so perfect. that's why I like the live events. Okay, awesome, yeah. All right, so I want to shift hats here a little bit. Um, you are a unique guest because you are a 46-year successful shop owner, uh, but you're also president of the Automotive Management Network. So I want to focus a little bit more on the shop. What motivated you to start your own business 46 years ago? <clears throat> Yeah, you know, I think a lot of us during that period of time, there were just we were just kids who were interested in cars, and <laughs> and one thing you know nowadays in the last few decades, all the all the teenagers, uh, high school, so on and so forth, they all work at the local McDonald's or fast food place, et cetera. Well, back then, those didn't exist. We didn't have things like drive-through restaurants. So on what we did have those, we had gas stations, and we had a lot of them. Uh, there's a lot of intersections in town that would have, uh, it, it'd have a, a gas station, all four corners, right. Michelle and Marathon and Gulf and, and Sunoco. And there'd be one on each corner. Well, and all those gas stations had bays and they all did oil changes and some kind of repair. They didn't have C stores back then. They weren't convenience stores. All they had was gas and, and car repair. And, uh, and that's what I did, uh, back then as did many people. And it just was interested in it and, Kept growing from there and eventually got my own gas station and uh, eventually got my own repair shop. And that just kind of grew from there. Awesome. What challenges did, did you face early on? Because we have a lot of, you know, 80% of shops fail in the first five years, another 80% in the second five years. So, um, you know, what were what challenges did you face in the early stages and how did you overcome them? Well, I, th I think the, the, you know, the biggest challenge is kind of constant. I think it's probably been that way for thousands of years since the beginning of time. And that's, right. it's employees, uh, you know, to find good people, it's difficult to find them. Yep. Uh, you you want to find them and keep them happy, so on and so forth. So that's always the biggest challenge. Uh, anybody that's that says I'm having that problem and nobody else does, no, you're wrong. Everybody has that problem. Some people are better at dealing with others, but uh, that's always a challenge. Uh, and then depending on what your, uh, where you are and a number of other factors, uh, marketing is always a big challenge. I mean, how do I get that phone to ring? How do I get somebody to walk in the front door? 
Those are two of the biggest challenges right there. Of course, we talked about numbers earlier. Numbers are a big thing. And a lot of shop owners today, but less today than in the past, uh, just, you know, and say, are, are, are you are you profitable? Are you making money? And you'd open up the checkbook. You say there was money in there. So I guess so. You know, is right. there enough to pay the bills? Yes. Well, I must be. Pro and that was it. I mean, nobody, uh, I, you know, I, a after being in the business for probably 20 years, if you would have said gross profit to me, I had no clue what that was. Mm -hmm. Or average RO or any of those things. No idea. We just we just kind of did it by the seat of our pants and, you know, on whatever financial wisdom we got from our parents and just. And if you had enough to pay the bills and you kept it going, you were theoretically successful. Well, today it's much different than that. But, uh, uh, you know, so there's three challenges, money, marketing and employees. That's the three. So that's the part I'm in is the uh, is the is the marketing. Um, so uh, I want to help uh, shop owners figure out uh, more of the employees, what are the things that they can do to keep and retain employees. So um, uh, some companies have a, um, uh, they have a, a program where um, they will invest in their tech's careers and uh, the majority of them will stay with those companies. What are the core values or guiding principles that have contributed to your success? Because you, you got a successful shop, you know, you started a AMN, and, and you've obviously made that a very successful uh, resource for re shop owners. So um, Zig Ziglar says it best, it, it, you can get anywhere you want in life just to help enough other people get what they want. And so AMN, yeah. uh, Automotive Management Network, is an example of that. You know, you've really worked hard to provide um, the information that shop owners need to succeed. So, but in your opinion, what are the core values of the guiding principles that you feel have contributed to your success? Yeah, it's, it's just... It it's redundant and it's not all that exciting, but it's just, it's the same old stuff. It's just responsibility. It's the golden rule type thing. Uh, just, you know, um, I'll tell people when they're managing a shop, I'll often say to them, you know what, let me ask you three questions. Is everything going on there pretty, you know, honest, moral, legal, straightforward, et cetera? And hopefully everybody says yes. And uh, then I also ask him, well, uh, is everybody generally happy? Not thrilled happy like we're going to Disneyland every day, but is everybody reasonably sure. happy? Are the customers reasonably happy? Are the employees reasonably happy? Is the owner reasonably happy? So what's the answer to that one? If the answer to that one is yes, then the third question is, are we making some reasonably decent money? Right. Uh, you know, maybe not much as Trump, but are, you know, are we making some reasonably decent money? If they say yes, if the answer to those three questions is yes, then I'll often say, well, well don't fool with things too much. Uh, maybe you want to just make some minor incremental adjustments to improve things as time goes on, but, but now would not be the time to make radical changes if you can say yes to those three questions, because uh, you're doing pretty good. We can always do a little bit better, but there's kind of your guidance right there on where to go. Okay. Um, what trends or developments do you see shaping the automotive industry? And this is something from someone that, like you said, you know, you remember the days you, when you, you had a side marker bulb go out on your uh, Chevelle, you'd go down to the auto parts store and for 27 cents, you bought a bulb and replaced it. Now I take my portion to get it replaced. It's 500 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, so, exactly. That. I okay. think that uh, as far as trends go, there's uh, in, in the overall scheme of things, culture is one. The culture is very different. It's constantly changing. 
People have different values, different ways of seeing things. The society works differently. So things are very different there and, and, and got to, uh, you know, find out where your place is and have a good solid place where you're comfortable uh, in that culture. Something that is often talked about, but I'm not sure it's fully grasped and that's technology. Uh, everybody will talk about it all day long, but do they really, 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 truly employ it? When you go into a repair shop, I mean, for instance, uh, our shop has been paperless for 10 years. Okay. When I say paperless, I mean virtually paperless. I, I, I mean, there's technicians, advisors, people working there that <clears throat> if it's it, it happens to be noontime and you ask them, can I borrow a pen? And their answer was, I haven't used one today yet, but I think I know where one is. And that's how, so when I say paperless, I mean paperless, completely digital. And where everything is digital and you're just taking advantage of all the latest features. You go to the trade shows and here's the latest, newest, coolest thing. Not that you have to pull money on everything, but that's really, that's really big because it has a huge effect on efficiency, which is goes to making money. And just has a huge effect on employees and how everything's done. It has a huge effect on the customers. If you get a really high tech scheduling system, really high tech management software, you'd be surprised that the customers will comment that this is really cool. The dealership doesn't have this. Right. Uh, and, and so that technical edge, the culture one, other trends, a trend in, in <clears throat> the cars are changing, obviously, and there's more technical stuff in some ways. In, in other ways, I think. Parts of the repair process may become a little bit easier too, as uh, things become more universal. Where uh, opening the hood of a Honda and a Chevy isn't all that different because this particular system is pretty much the same on both of them. Right. Uh, that didn't used to exist, and I think today there's more of that technology that's similar from car to car. Yeah, but there's three things we could talk trends all afternoon. Well. Um, uh the trends in my uh, arena is um, automation. So uh, lead follow-up automation software, uh, we launched um, AutoShop AMP, it's autoshopamp.com. So um, uh, they proved that, um, that, a, a, that a lot of shops don't have a lead problem, they have a conversion problem. So if someone calls the shop and asks how much is that for that brake job on that 2016 whatever car, and they give them the price and say, okay, thanks. I'm going to check around and get back to you. Um, that's it. Yeah. 9% of shops. With our software, that person's going to get five follow-ups. And that's where the money is, is in the follow-ups. If the, they got two phone lines running in the shop and someone's on uh, the bulk lines uh, tied up and somebody calls, that person automatically gets a text saying, hey, thanks for calling Bob's Auto Repair. Uh, we appreciate you considering us for your uh, auto needs. Unfortunately, both lines are tied up right now. But don't worry, we've got your number. We're going to call you right back. You know, and then the staff has an app on their phone that lets them know. So what you're talking about with automations, this is, and you being digital at your shop, and you're an excellent example of this, shop owners, if they want to stay ahead of the game, they better get on board with automations and automate as much as possible. Ask a customer for a review. Sure, I'll, yep. Ask a customer for a review. Sure, I'll leave you a review. They walk out the door, one in a hundred will leave a review. So um, now uh, with review management automation software, if they leave a bad review, if it's a, a, our system is a smiley face, a frown, and a straight face, if they select a frown or straight face, 
it looks like they're leaving a Google review, but it's not. It's close to the owner of the shop. So he can deal with it. All the good reviews, they click smiley face, goes right on board. But the customer, as soon as they walk out the door, they get five emails and five texts. Either they opt out or they leave the review. You know, So um, automations in marketing are huge. Automations in running the shop are huge. So uh, and getting more shop owners in. So I'm, I'm glad that you recognize that. For somebody that's done what you've done, this could be an interesting question for a lot of shop owners because this is a big topic and it's called burnout. You know, you get a lot of shop owners, they're working 12 hours a day, 10 hours a day. Um, so what are your thoughts on the work-life balance thing, you know? Because you've, you've created a successful shop and then on top of that, obviously you're a good administrator because uh, you've got people that are running the shop and have been running the shop for some time. Uh, you oversee it, which means you're a business owner. So <laughs> that's the part that I'm working towards myself. But can you share any strategies for balancing work and personal life as a business uh, well, owner? Well, once, once you get to a, a, a certain size shop, and it doesn't have to be huge, but once you get up to three, four, five employees, what you can do and what, what you should do, regardless of how young or old you are, is you should begin to work remotely. Uh, when you when you take uh, whatever office area you have at the shop, then you, you kind of duplicate that in a room in your house. It's its own separate room. And you create a remote place to work there. You will be amazed how much you get done. Uh, and then as you as situations develop, instead of you putting out fires, now you're going to write a SOP. Now you're going to write a procedure for that and so on. And so you begin to to manage the business overall without working in the business. Uh, and you, you manage how it runs. It ends up running better. And then what's probably one of the most amazing things is people find out that when they do this, sales go up and profits go up. <laughs> they say, well, if I'm not working there, how can that be? Trust me, because you're so much more effective when you're not there. <laughs> uh, it's just, uh, you know, it doesn't mean you're not there at all. But, uh, you know, somebody says, well, how do I start doing that? Well, you can do it one afternoon a week. You can on Wednesday afternoons, I'm going to work from home or one day a week. And, and you just build up in whatever level you're comfortable with. But uh, that's a big part of it. You can get things done when you're not there. You can be so much more effective you could be there for you know uh either for some training for some visiting uh for and still have an office there that you work from a few hours a week that kind of thing just to maintain touch uh but you know what's going to happen if you really start to grow and you get two or three or four shops well you can't work in those how can you you can't work at them right it's impossible so so that's how you say well how do these people do it with multiple shops well that's how they do it they they work they essentially work remotely because they either work from home or from a remote office that's not associated with any of the facilities or an office in one of the facilities and that's the kind of thing where they're not part of the daily operation their door is closed and, and it's, it's still open door policy but I'm not going to be ordering parts or estimating or waiting on a customer that's not what I do I hire people to do that who are better at it than me right and and, and my job is to is to just keep everything between the ditches and, and, and you know watch and see how it's all going and manage the flow. Right. Uh, really, really important. Uh, a lot of wisdom there, Tom. <laughs> uh, I'm working towards that myself. I mean, I read a book a long time ago. It's uh, John Nisbet. It's Megatrends. It's a big, thick book. Yeah. I'll break it down in one sentence. 
uh, or two. Ray Kroc went to work on a hamburger stand, not in a hamburger stand. And ever since I've read that, I always remember that. In fact, I got a little post-it note on my computer right there. Are you working on the business or in the business? It's yeah. one of the things I have to do. And I've got to get to that point where, you know, you were at where you're separate from the fulfillment part. You know, the customers are being taken care of, the marketing's being handled, and you're uh, sitting up here looking down, managing and running the business. Only yeah. are you a business owner. So um, if you're not doing that, then you have a job. <laughs> you, sure. Yeah, that's it. You paid yourself for a job. Uh, franchising, McDonald's, I read a long time ago. Uh, guess what the number one franchisee, what the favorite franchisee for McDonald's Corporation was? Of all the different people that come to McDonald's and bought a franchise, guess who McDonald's corporate loved the most? W what kind of person? Do you know? No, I don't know. Farmers. Oh, it, that's interesting. They'd sell their land. They would read the manual on how to run a McDonald's and do just exactly that. They weren't the geniuses that that made millions in other areas and said, oh, I think I want to do it this way or that way or this way. Farmers, they were the absolute best. McDonald's. Well, sure. I, that, yeah, I, I think it, right away it comes to farmer would ask you how many hours a week you work. You'd say 60 and they'd say, oh, you only work part time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. So um, uh, um, what are some of the marketing or growth strategies that have worked well for your shop? Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of different ones and you kind of got to test them. And I think they're different in different markets. Uh, we, they just, are. we just touched on the technology thing. And, and right now that is one of the hottest ones and that the, especially the people uh, the kids have really been immersed in technology for the last 10 years or so. You know, talk about smartphone, you know, we're used to smartphones, but it wasn't that long ago. We didn't have these. I know. And a very short time ago, we yep. didn't have these or anything remotely like it. So uh, that technology thing, the whole thing with texts and, and emails and communication that way is, is bigger than mo most people think. And then there's companies that, uh, employ it well and one some not so well. But uh, to, to find out who really does a great job with that is a big part of marketing. Now, there's also the old-fashioned stuff. We're very successful with direct mail marketing, which okay. we've had since, I don't know, the beginning of time. I, you know, sure. It's been around forever. And But the, the key there, of course, is figuring out the content and the mailer and all the details there on what's going to get people's attention and what's going to get thrown in the trash. So that's one of the biggest and best marketing thing that you can that you can have uh, is your location. There's nothing that can beat that. Um, you know, you you got to be complete. You got to do all these other things. But if you if you the one at the very top is whatever town you're in. If you can be at the corner of, of Main Street and and Broad Street and downtown, and you're on the corner, that's the best marketing you can have. Because then you can take advantage of that to make your facility look fantastic and people will come in. You know, it's unfortunate, it's unfortunate that that you can have shops that maybe aren't that good, but they're on the corner of Main Street and downtown. And then you get a shop that's absolutely brilliant. And they can fix anything. They're really good and they're in an in industrial park, which don't get me going on industrial parks. 
if anybody offered an industrial park, your answer is no, I'll keep looking. Don't, don't even, but anyway. Uh, then it, it, when you're, and you'll find out that the guy who's not that good is busier. He's the guy that's busier, that's making more money. And that's because he's right in front of people's faces every day as they drive by. So that's your best marketing overall, I would say. Then you go to the technology after that. That's what we find anyway. We yep. really use our facility a lot to market. And a somewhat unique thing that we do, we happen to have, we've got nine bay doors and they're all glass. So what we do is after dark, and we don't do it from midnight to 6 a.m., but we do it the rest of the time after dark, we have the shops lit up. All, all There's two shop areas and they're both completely lit up. So you can see that building from, from a mile away and it's the visibility. It looks pretty painted up and nice inside, so on and so forth. And, and, you know, people will top four or five things when it comes to business is locations, number one, facility is number two, service is number three, and then the quality of the work is actually number four. Now that, that'll irritate a lot of people, but the same thing, it's kind of picked up from restaurants. It's the same thing. It's location is number one, how the place looks. You know, when you get off and you've never been somewhere before, you're looking at the, you're looking at the outside of the restaurant. Sure. And then you go in there and how friendly are the people and nice. And then the, how, how good the food is, is actually the fourth thing on the list. It, it seems like that list should be inverted and the food should, best food should be at the top, but it's not. That's just the way people work. And the same thing applies to car repair. I'm, and I'm not saying you should be crappy at car repair, right? but, but you, right. you should be the best you can. But I, I, but the priority is people think if I'm the best mechanic in town, people will beat a path to my door that no, they will not. Right. <laughs> yep. That so, might be true in some very small rural communities, but that's not going to work today. It's just not how it goes. Yep. And location is important for drive-by and foot traffic, but I'm, I'm on a digital marketing agency. So oh yeah. When you type in auto repair in the name of the city, uh, 48 to 53% of people click on the very first organic ranking to come up. 12% yep. to second, 8% to third. So a 50% difference, you know, and in, in click-through rates between the third position and the first position on Google. So that's why we work uh, to get our clients in those top positions on Google because no matter where the customer's at and the person typing in auto repair the name of the city, is not their current customer. It's somebody looking for a shop. This is the most important uh, lead that sure. they can possibly get in. And then when they come to the website or come to the phone or whatever, you better have lead automation follow-up software in place and you better have a website that can, that's built to convert the visitors to book jobs, which is what we specialize in. Here's the best marketing tip that I can I can give anybody and it ties in with, what, with your digital marketing. And it works. My wife and I, we've been very much internet-based, very much digital. I mean, we order everything online. And I mean, to the extreme, we're in that top 1% of people who really are extreme with the use of the internet. And then right. in digital, right? Yeah. And that's how we are. And if, I, I guarantee you, if I go on Google today and type in lawn service, because I need a new lawn service to take care of my yard, here's what's going to happen. I, and I'm going to find that I'm going to find the first ten places. I'm going to I'm going to fill out the contact form, or I'm going to email the first ten places. Here's what's going to happen. You probably know this already, but I, I like this point. You're going one place is going to get back to you in less than an hour, maybe five minutes. 
They're going to get back to you. And it doesn't have to have all your answers, but it has to say, we got your email and we're going to get back to you. So at least that contacts me. Now, another two places will contact you later in the day. Another two places will contact you by the weekend. And the last five, you will never hear never from hear them from. at all. Yep. So, so you, you there, there's a, used to go classes, George Witt used to do these classes and he always had a great line with that, you know, marketing and so on and so forth. He says, why spend money to piss people off? You piss people off for free. <laughs> and, 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 and that's exactly what it does. When you have a website and, uh, and all the things that you're talking about, it, you know, when you have that and you don't get back to this customer, what you did, you pissed them off. And, and they're upset. And, 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 you know, you went out and upset people for free. And, and who knows, you may even get a bad review out of it. And it's kind of like, what was I doing? Well, you weren't paying attention. And, and uh, I think it's uh, uh, with all the things that you're talking about, what I try to get through to my staff is all these communications nowadays, whether it's text, whether it's email, whatever it is, you treat them all like a ringing phone. Emails. If you email our shop and a question, odds are you're going to get some kind of reply within 15 to 30 minutes. Uh, and it may be, I don't know, I'm going to have to check on that, get back to you, but you're going to hear from us right away. We try to treat that like a ringing phone. Same with a, a text, if you get a text from somebody. But when people ask a question, you may think, well, they, they could have called if they, if, they, uh, um, uh, if they were in a hurry. No, no, no. There's a lot, especially in the younger generation, they don't call. Yep. They don't talk to people on the phone. You may say, well, that's ridiculous. Well, it may be, but they don't. They text everybody. That's how they do everything. It's text and email. And when they text, when they email, uh, they expect an answer or, or they would prefer an answer like in five minutes. Yeah, quick. Yeah, it's five minutes or less. You brought up an important point. Every single one that our shops, the first thing we do is one of the first, one of the many things that we do is we get them on texting. Personally, God gave me two ears and a mouth for communication, not fingers. We got 20% of the population that don't want to talk. They don't want to fill out forms, but they'll send a text. So, Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I, and I have talked to shop owners that have had customers that they've had for several years. They have never seen the person. They've never talked to the person. Yep. They just, it's all through texting. Yep. yep it's all so, digital. That's it. All right. Listen, Tom, thanks a lot. I really appreciate your time. All Absolutely. Right, all right. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good rest of the day. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. For additional automotive resources and exclusive content, follow us on Spotify and subscribe to our YouTube channel to catch all our episodes. Thanks again for joining us in the driver's seat, and we'll see you next time for another thrilling episode of Top Shop.